0: Hello everyone and welcome to Next Generation Saints. I'm your host, Nick Coons. So I want to talk to you guys about a thing called freedom. It's a very powerful thing, very, uh, uh very big thing in our culture here in America, and in fact around the world. We talk about wanting freedom and liberty. And I was reading the Bible, going through it, and I wanted to com- basically compare two different ideas with you guys about biblical freedom and our freedoms that we think of. Now, first let me ask this question to you. When you hear the words freedom, or hear, hear those, sorry, not the words, the word freedom, what do you think of? I'm guessing when someone hears about it, at least what conjures in my mind is um, freedom to do whatever the heck you want to do. You want eat, to um, eat marshmallows all day, you can do so. You want to go buy a car, travel uh, across this great country, um, and make a one heck of a road trip? You can't. You want to go off and go buy potato chips and eat a whole bunch of them. Um, awesome. You know, that is what I'm thinking when I hear freedom. You also think, oh, I can own a gun. I can own all these things. I can do pretty much whatever I want. But I was looking into when I was studying Biola, reading the Bible about freedom. There's something interesting that pops up. Freedom isn't necessarily is not even close to really what we consider freedom to be, at least what God is describing. You do have freedom, as in you could do whatever you want. But what God points out in the Bible is he's, t- is he's teaching that freedom isn't about doing what you want to do whenever you want to do it. Freedom is the ability your, the ability to be able to do what is right out of your own choice. And I stopped. I was thinking about that the other day. You know, when we look at American freedom, again, 1776, brother, we won against them. We could do whatever we want. We could drink beer, eat hot dogs, and drive around in uh, big trucks and scream, "Yeah!" You know, and 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 whatnot. Or you shout expletives at top of your uh, lungs and and excitement. That's that's what a lot of people think. But I but I also realized how many times we don't ever really think. That What freedom actually entails, what is entail, entailed by the Bible. The freedoms that are bestowed to us mean that you, yes, you're free to do kind of what you want to do, as long, as long as you don't infringe on somebody else's rights, you know, through the Bill of Rights. But freedom, most importantly from a biblical worldview, is about being able to do what is God, what God considers to be okay. I am free not to do sin. I am free to follow Jesus. I am free to read a Bible. I am free to love my, to love God and love my neighbor. And I think one of the greatest freedoms we ever have in this country is the First Amendment, <clears throat> which says that we are allowed to worship as we choose. We are allowed. We have the um, inalienable rights. We are having the God-given rights, not given to us by government, not by any shot of the imagination. Government is not instituted amongst men. To give us these rights, but the government is is instituted amongst men to in to recognize the rights that we already have. We acknowledge the rights that are already there, and they are. And government is just simply there to ensure that those rights are are safeguarded. That's it. They can't give or take away your rights. They're, that's not their job. <clears throat> so what I'm seeing here is we have. We do have rights. We have our first amendments in order that we can worship God without fear of persecution. I thought to myself, that's one of the greatest gifts as an American we could have here. That God has blessed us with in America. And I know that there was a lot of attacks coming on during COVID and now there's an attacks that are coming on by the radical leftists who are out there who are trying to censor people. I've been censored before. I've been censored on TikTok and Instagram. <clears throat> excuse me, on YouTube, on, you know, Spotify hasn't done it yet, but I can see that coming. It's censoring to stop you from able to speak your mind. Well, now, most people think as long as you don't have any hate speech, it's perfectly fine, just stay in the guidelines, the rule book. But I've noticed more and more when when it's about staying within the guidelines and these rules, the first amendment comes under attack where are you really free to preach Jesus Christ or is Jesus Christ a hateful message? I would argue that Jesus Christ, like the Bible teaches is an offense to those who are perishing. And since I think it's been for decades now, maybe since the sixties or something time of the nuclear family kind of ending that Jesus Christ is becoming more and more offensive to people, in the re- in, in America at least, and the reason because we have decided that God is not necessary in our culture, and that you know you can't really talk about Jesus at the workforce, you can't really talk about Jesus in politics, you can't really talk about Jesus on a number of things. My Christian apologetics. I've come across so many times where the name of... G- like, every other world religion is perfectly fine. I can talk about that. I can talk about Buddhism, Hinduism, uh, Islam, atheism. I can talk about all these different things without receiving a lot of flack at all. They're far, It's far easier. I mean, you might get some flack about something, but I would say that it is immensely lower compared to when I talk about Jesus. And it's interesting. In this culture nowadays... Um, I've come across family who are very, um, who are seeming to be more and more pro LGBTQ, who are claiming to be Christian. I know I'm going to go off on the road tangent here. I'm trying to keep back to the freedom part. But one of the things I've noticed is the new Jesus that is influencing our culture and causing more evil to come in is a progressive Christian ideology of who Jesus is. The new progressive Christians are saying that Jesus is now pro-LGBTQ, pro-transgender. Now, let me clarify this real quick. Jesus says we are to love the LGBTQI, the alphabet group, the transgenders. We are to love them. But let's make a very clear distinction here. We are not here to affirm their lifestyle. We do not affirm it. We don't go to pride parades. We don't go to, you know, climbing gyms. We don't go to events that they hold and say, oh, I'm I'm with you guys. Yeah, we're, we're all equal, all this, whatever your excuse may be. We don't go there to show our agreements whatsoever with them. And here's the other crazy part. We have the freedom to do so in our country. When I, when I see Christians that keep doing this, that keep going to pride parades, they keep on going, let's go to see the drag queens, let's see this or that, and they're Christians. Here's, I, I got to put take this off my chest. I'm going to put it out there, and I know it's not the same thing as talking about freedom, but I have to put it out there. When you read the Bible, Paul talks about, I believe it's in Romans, corinthians i believe um if i'm wrong i'm terribly sorry about it but the, the moral story i'll get to right here paul is addressing the church about um about pagans they're living in the culture full of roman empire and it's full of pagans right and in paganism they were believing in zeus athena hercules all these different ones you know all the fun disney characters but they've been around this before disney and what they would do is they would b- offer burnt meat offerings to these gods. And the Christians didn't believe in these gods anymore whatsoever. But let's say they were walking through and they felt like they were hungry. We all get hungry and I prefer like a good steak when I see one. Well, what would happen is... To make this more understandable for us, it'd be like the pagans are uh, the pa- the Roman pagans are are having a church service, so to speak. Let's say for their for uh, Athena, and a Christian would walk by, and they're let's say they're hungry, they haven't had their breakfast, and this church service, this um worship service, is happening right there, and their tongue uses growling, and they say, "Hey, look, we're eating this steak. That's a burnt offering to Athena. Would you like to have some?" And they're like, yeah, sure, why not? Let me have some burnt steak. That would be fantastic, or have some of that, that burnt meat offering. And in the pro- and they would start eating the meat. Well, the pagans believe that if you're eating the meat, you're partaking in their worship service to Athena. And so that the pagans would believe, because they would know you're a Christian, they know that you're a follower of the way, they think, oh, wait a second, if this Christian is eating this burnt meat sacrificed to Athena, well, then Christians believe in Athena, wow so they believe in Jesus they also believe in Athena as a goddess great cool and Paul's addressing this to the church and says guys don't do this look the whole point is not about the meat itself it's about the situation in which you're eating the meat right he would say you can have this cooked meat but you it needs to be the situation in which you have it if it's in the middle of a pagan worship, uh, service going on where they're they're worshiping athena and by you eating it um cause them to stumble by thinking that we would worship athena too then just let your stomach growl i know it sucks totally get it but let it roll just just let it it's better for you to go hungry at this point than to cause them to stumble and think and not understand the values of a christian however Let's say that worship service is over, right? Everyone's gone, everyone's left, no one's there. And your tummy is growling and you could just, I mean, <laughs> you, could, you could eat an antelope, to quote Simba from uh, Lion King. Well, Paul's like, at the end of the day, it's just, it's just cooked meat. That's all it is. I mean, if there's no one there to observe you eating it, if no one's there and you're not going to cause anyone to stumble, he says, please go ahead and grab some of the meat and dig in, chomp down. You know, it's a gift from God at that point. I hope you understand what I'm pointing out. is the situ- Again, the situation in which you're eating the meat. Now let's flip this and bring it over to modern day. I am not against parades. I am not against festivals. I'm not against concerts. I'm not against all those fun things and parties. I'm not against any of that. But the same principle about the meat applies in these situations. If you're going to a parade because it's a pride parade during gay month and they're, and they're wearing the, the rainbow colors and the transgender flag. Paul, God is telling us that is sinful for Christians to do. You are causing someone else to stumble and sin. This is not acceptable in God's eyes. Not okay. Now, I've always made an argument, and I think it's very, very biblically placed, that if you're ignorant of the whole thing, you didn't realize what was going on, you didn't know that this was it, and let's say you went, Let's just say you show up to a, one of these celebrations and you didn't know any better. It's permit, I, I would be like, don't do it again. It's not going to be held over your head because you weren't aware of it. But if you are fully aware of what's going on, you know it's a pride parade. You know it's about the alphabet group and transgenderism. Then you are guilty. This is not acceptable. You're eating the meat sacrificed to idols and causing somebody else to sin. Because they're all seeing you and thinking, hey, Christians, God's perfectly okay with my lifestyle, my LGBT, transgender lifestyle. He's fine with it. But the Bible in the book of Romans, chapters 2 um, two and 3, very clear that this lifestyle is not acceptable. Even uh, Devi- uh, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy teach against this. It's very anti-God. Now, I want to correct something for the record because I did listen to my own podcast I'm not going to say all transgenders are possessed by the devil. I do not believe that. I want to clear the air up on that. I do not believe all of them are possessed. They are not. Many of them are good people who are going through a lot in their head. I want to clarify that. I have seen some people who I, that I can't 100% certain, but it just looks like they're possessed. I'll be honest with you. You watch the TikTok video. Their eyes roll on the back of their head. They're making these weird noises, screeching like it's a terrifying uh, demonic uh, encounter. That's where I got that idea from. Like, wow, this seems more demonic than anything else. Now, can I confirm it now? So the movement is demonic. This is an heavily influenced, demonically influenced movement. But it is not like every person out there who's transgender or LGBT, alphabet soup people. They are not possessed by the devil. They're not all. Possessed in that way. Not at all. So I'm going to clear the air. Now switching back into freedom part. As Christians, we have the freedom to choose not to join these kinds of movements. Not to do certain things. We are free in this world ultimately because God has given us free will to choose to go to sinful things like an LGBTQ whatever. Or a transgender thing going on. You know, like a, basically pride parades. Or groups that, that celebrate the sinful lifestyle. We are free to do so. But God is telling us freedom was never intended for that. Freedom is intended that we do the right thing. The godly thing to do. So again, just to reiterate this. We are to love God and love our neighbors. We are to love our neighbors as ourselves. But we are not to love sinful lifestyles. So next time let's say a pride parade happens I won't be going and if I do I'll be preaching Jesus while I'm there. I will love the LGBTQ people but I will never affirm their lifestyle. I've seen this with different people like they will go to an event and they'll and I don't even know why they're doing it. If you're going to an event for LGBT or the um, transgender movement or uh, this this lifestyle I'm talking about the alphabet lifestyle. If you're going there because you just want to be the cool kid or you feel pressure to do so, or you're afraid they're not going to respect you if they find out you you have faith in Jesus, then they're not your friends. I've been thinking about that quite a bit. If they're going to make you feel bad for being a Christian and they won't respect your your lifestyle, your morality, your... um, I'm trying to think of the word here, Um, what you believe, if it means that you have to violate your God's commands. I want to tell every Christian out there, I want to ask a couple questions, and you need to answer this on your own. And I'm going to close with these questions here. Okay. Um, It was originally for uh, climate change and whatnot, and it can be linked to that for also Christians who are hardcore into that. But I'm also going to include it with the alphabet groups. What is, to all the Christians, all the the brothers and sisters, here are your questions I'm leaving off for you. What is your purpose? Now, what do I mean by that? What has God called us to do when you read the Bible? What is God's calling in our lives And I get that the mission there's one narrative mission that God calls us to do that takes many different forms, like a business, right? I can say my job on Next Generation Saints is to make podcasts and teach Christian apologetics. Well, this teaching can appear in different ways and in different forms and how I say it and who I interview and whatnot. You can take different you see what I mean? It can it can be a metamorphosis of a bunch of things, but ultimately having the core core mission of. Talking about theological, social, practical, and political issues of our day. That could be the core. So what is God's core mission to the church, to the believers? Is it to be best friends with LGBT or to fight climate change? Or is it to love God, love your neighbor, go off proclaiming the gospel to all the nations and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What is the calling that God has put out there? What is his mission for the church? And by the way, if you're a Christian, you are part of the church. You are part of God's, the body of Christ. What is your calling? What does God call us to do in the Bible? Now, if you're doing the right thing and you're following what God has called us to do, because I'm going to not really tell the answer here. I want you to go and look it up yourself. I want you to read your Bible. I want you to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I want you to see what God is calling us and then work your way through the rest of the New Testament. I want you to do that. What is God's ultimate calling for the body of Christ, for the church? Are you in line with that calling? Or are you making excuses of why you are not in line with it? Such as when you want to go to a pride parade, you're a Christian, and you go, wait, 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 hold on there, brother, sister. Hold on a second. Why are you doing it? Oh, it's complicated. No, it's not. It's not complicated at all. You have the freedom to choose God's way, but if you want to complicate it, it's because you want to choose the ungodly way of going about things. You want to make it so you, you want to justify sinful actions to make sin acceptable. That's what you're doing. So are you really following God's law, or I should say God's mission for you, or not? So remember, we have that freedom to choose this, guys. So I want to leave you pretty much on that note, and let it just kind of sit there and let you think about it. So, until next time, we meet again. May God richly bless y'all, my dearly beloved.